Friday, March 27th, 2020, day 11 of the apocalypse. What's up, everyone? I'm Paul Clark. Sup, Paul? Welcome back to the podcast. It is day 11 of the Oregon coronavirus quarantine. Crazy times continue. And each country that I read about are doing different things. New Zealand is in lockdown. You can't go more than about a two mile radius from your home. And the only traveling you can do is really associated with getting supplies from a grocery store and visiting physicians. So New Zealand's in a lockdown. And I'm reading the BBC report that South Africa starting last night is in a three week lockdown, mandatory lockdown, where shopping is restricted to food and other essentials. The sale of alcohol in cigarettes is prohibited. That's gonna drive some people crazy. Those are addictions. How are people gonna, I don't know. Walking down the road for exercise is banned. Public gatherings are banned. Security forces to patrol and set up roadblocks to ensure compliance is in effect. Uh, crackdowns to fight this virus, to stop the spread of the coronavirus. The US has more than 100,000 cases. Crazy times, dizzying times, frustrating times. In a time of chaos, it's great to listen to a voice of calm. In this episode, we go to a surprising place for that, El Salvador, where my buddy Bradley Hilton, one of the best river paddleboarders that I know of, is there for a two-week surf trip. Well, that was the plan. He's now there indefinitely, waiting out the coronavirus storm. He's holed up at a yoga retreat with some friends, watching the world drift into chaos. He's decided not to go back to his home in Colorado, but rather eat fresh fruit and vegetables and meditate and simply reflect on the times that are of changing. Without any further ado, welcome Bradley Hilton. Cool. First of all, how are you? Damn, you look great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm, um, you know, considering everything, I'm doing, I'm doing very well myself. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, you know, as somebody in the outdoor industry and as a paddler, I live seasonally and have different seasonal jobs and things change a lot and income comes and then it disappears and that's just kind of the nature of it and so i feel kind of strangely well equipped to uh, absorb kind of the impacts of what we're feeling right now and have a pause on everything yeah huh, that, that's a really interesting perspective the the outdoor industry especially the athletes in it do live seasonal lifestyles and have a certain ability to uh live closer to nature and with a little bit more simplicity. I was talking to Courtney Karen from New Zealand, who uh, is also a seasonal athlete. She travels the world chasing whitewater in her kayak. And right now, New Zealand is fully locked down. If she wanted to leave, which she does, um, just she's not able to. So tell us where you're at and uh, why you're there and your, your, uh, your plans on staying. Yeah, so I am in El Salvador in a little beach town called Playa El Tunco, which is a really beautiful place. I came here about three weeks ago. 
kind of just on a little bit of a spring break um, to get some surf in and work remotely. Um, and this is a place that I've been two or three times before, and it's just a place that's conducive to my well-being. So I wanted to spend some time here. And then my uh, everything at home, my school, some of my work all got put on pause. And so I extended my trip by one week here. And that was enough time um, for the government here in El Salvador to start putting a lot of mandates in place. The airport shut down and we went on a 30-day mandatory stay-at-home curfew. And so now, now I'm here just kind of riding it out. Where is home for you there? Like I said, I'm in Playa El Tunco, and I'm staying at a um, friend's property that's actually a um, kind of like a little yoga retreat property that they have built out. It's called Balance. How, how did you score that? That sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. I just, some, some good friends um, are the owners here, and so they're, they're kind enough to offer me a place to hang out, and so we're just, we're hungering down together as a family, and um, we're, we're in a pretty good situation. That's amazing. And are you able to get out? Are you able to recreate? Are you able to surf? Not able to surf, unfortunately. Um, the curfew started about six days ago, and I was surfing one or two sessions every day for two or three weeks straight, and then the beach is closed. And so I can see the waves from where I'm at right now, but I'm not quite able to go surf them, unfortunately. So that is an interesting dynamic. <laughs> there, are, there are flights that are leaving El Salvador right now. There's a couple commercial flights that are authorized, and there's also some evac flights that have been arranged by the U.S. Embassy. Um, but the question that we have here is kind of like, what what are we evacuating from and what are we evacuating to? Um, so the actions that have been taken here in El Salvador have been much earlier in the spread of this virus in the population here in Central America. So they're way ahead of the curve compared to the United States. Um, and so we don't really feel like evacuating to the United States is the responsible thing to do right now. We're, we're in a good place here. We're not putting a specific strain on any local resources. And so we don't feel like we're, you know, taking up unnecessary resources that should go to Salvadoran nationals and that we should go home. We're not, we're not at that, we're not at that point at all. And so we're just feeling like the most responsible thing to do is just follow the mandates that are in place here and just, and just ride it out. Who are you traveling with? Yeah, I, I traveled here by myself. Um, but the, my housemates at the moment um, is uh, Adrian Wigston, who's the owner of this of Balance, this uh, place I'm staying, and his um, fiance Lindsay Gonzalez, who you may know um, from Colorado as a, another paddler and yogi in our community, and then their ten month old uh, their ten month old baby boy Luca. Sounds yeah. like you're in really good company, and they're in uh, good company as well. Well, how is how is getting supplies there? Water, uh, fresh food, toiletries. Yeah, yeah. So there's, um, you know, all supermarkets are open for the most part. Um, there's a very small market just about a block away from where we're staying that we'll walk to every couple of days just to basically get just seasonal produce is what we're buying. And then there are a couple local businesses 
and smaller markets that are offering delivery. So we just put an order in yesterday for a bunch of beautiful, you know, produce and a couple other net like staples. And so people are driving from the nearby town or city and doing um, deliveries out to these beach communities. So right, so right now, you know, and we've, we've thought about this um, a lot and I'm just lucky enough to be with some people who have a lot of local connections. So our access to food is no problem at the moment. How are the locals doing and how are they able to do spatial or social distancing in quarantine? Yeah, there's a lot more just natural like human touch that happens among acquaintances and friends in the Latin culture, you know. Um, so I think that's just as much of a challenge as anything, really, for all of us, you know. Um, I wish that I was more connected with the local community here during these times. You know, we're pretty like we're, we're home. So I'm not able to go and, and see what's happening and talk with everybody. Um, but I can imagine that it's, since they already place more of a uh, value on that literal, literal human contact, like on the daily basis, more so than in North America, um, that they're definitely feeling that as well. Where in North America is home for you? Um, I'm from Colorado. And I've lived in many different mountain communities in Colorado, currently residing in Steamboat Springs. And my hometown is about two hours east of Steamboat Springs um, in a town called Grand Lake. And that is the headwaters of the Colorado River. So it's all just northern central Rocky Mountains of Colorado. And it sounds like the, the, those mountain towns are really the epicenter of the Colorado coronavirus. I think yeah. you are in the better place. Yeah, good spot. You know, as far as Colorado goes, there's the population there is just absolutely booming right now. Um, it's also an extremely popular place for international travel, especially in the wintertime. And so really the outbreak started there first started popping up around Vail and in Summit County and in Aspen. And those are just like centers where there's a lot of international flights coming in. There's a lot of people coming to ski at all the resorts. Um, so I think that, I think that's why that it, there's such an impact there. Um, the towns where I have most of my connections are not on the interstate corridor and there's less international travel, much more rural. And so there is not much of a spread happening there at the moment. How's your family? How are your friends doing who are in college? Yeah, yeah, you know, I've been spending the, I mean, the last five days just calling people on my contacts list around the country, especially staying in contact with my immediate family. Um, everybody's good. Everybody's good. doing good so far. Everyone has um, a healthy environment to hunker down in if needed. Um, I think they they're able to listen to my perspective on things and take that into consideration. I'm kind of like an alternative news source, basically, mm -hmm, <laughs> to mm -hmm. a lot of my friends and family. So, um, but we're staying in contact and yeah, everybody is good. And, and tell me a little bit about your paddling career. Uh, you're one of the better river paddlers that I know. Just like your personality, you paddle with a very 
deliberate and calm style. And for you, that wins races and it keeps you on your board even in, in Whitewater. You've started outfitting. You've started coaching. What are, what are some things that you're doing as, a, as an outdoor athlete? Yeah. Um, thanks again for the compliment. Um, so I started paddling in spring of 2011 in Whitewater. I had never, I had done a couple rafting trips before then, but never spent much time in Whitewater, never done any flat water paddling at that point. So I, I was like a native, kind of one of the first probably group of 10 people in Colorado to kind of pick up the sport in earnest and, and go out as much as possible and really try to progress. So I was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time to get exposed to the sport early on after paddling in whitewater for a couple seasons um, and also naturally starting to go paddle on all the lakes in Colorado, which I had more access to at that time. So I was really developing the whitewater skills and the flatwater paddling skills. And then, you know, I moved around for a couple winters, spent a winter in um, on the big island of Hawaii, which is where I learned to surf and then spent a winter in California. And then since then, I've been doing a lot of traveling into Central America to surf. Um, and a lot of that had to, a lot of that stemmed from wanting to go stand up paddle in new places and, and just learn new disciplines of the, of the sport, you know? So at first I really loved that the variety of disciplines that we have in stand up paddling, it's like, you can, you can be the best whitewater paddler, you know, out of the group of a hundred people that you're paddling with, but then you go try to do a downwinder <laughs> on the coast somewhere and you can be a full on beginner like fumbling everywhere so it gave me it gave me this progression to just like keep picking away at and picking away at and now i feel pretty competent in on most conditions on a, on a stand-up paddleboard um, but still my you know what i love to do now is you know paddling multi-day trips um, through class three and four whitewater um, i work with a, an outfitter in dinosaur national monument which is in northwest Colorado, north, east Utah on the Yampa and the Green Rivers. And so we do four and five day wilderness trips. And I'm able to have raft supported trips and, and guide people on stand up paddle boards and, you know, camp on the beaches and the canyon under the stars. And so I really love that kind of full integration of a wilderness trip, incorporating stand up paddling as well. Um, and then I also do more personally a lot of endurance endurance camping trips we'll, we'll, we'll choose a um, stretch of river or multiple stretches of river somewhere in the desert southwest Colorado or Utah Arizona and we'll paddle for an average of 35 miles a day on flat slash moving water depending on where we're at so just paddling from sun up to sundown camp pulling over wherever we can we end up and camping on the beach and we'll we'll do that for like a week straight and cover hundred to 250 miles. I've followed some of your epic river uh, desert trips in social media, but one thing that, but you're not about social media. You're not, I mean, you get great photos, but that's not your priority. You really are about the, the, the personal connections while you're in the outdoors, the experience with the board, the experience with the, the place that you're in. And I think that's more true than a lot of people, a lot of people, sometimes me included, spend too much time working on the photo, working on the video, as opposed to working on the paddling, working on getting outside and doing it. So, I mean, you're, you're authentically 
an outdoor person. So you began this this comment by saying that you know you're you're okay because this is already a part of your lifestyle. Your desert multi-day trips, that's getting into the heart of darkness. And uh, you always come out uh, on the other end with a, a big smile, so that's fantastic. How do you think this season's going to affect some of your other travels, including Japan, as well as your outfitting trips in Colorado and, and Utah? Um, this is going to affect a lot of things. I think, I mean, I, I think by the time those seasons typically ramp up, which is mid-June, kind of when school's out and people are really opening their eyes to doing summer things. I, my intuition is that we will be slowly putting the pieces back together um, of our economies and seeing what that looks like at that point. But I think that people are going to be hesitant to just jump into a bunch of travel. For example, I don't, I don't really anticipate uh, many uh, J- Japanese travelers coming to Colorado, which you know that we, we usually have five to 10 people show up every spring in Colorado to kind of join our party and chase whitewater. I don't anticipate that they're going to be interested in coming this year. Have uh, you heard if GoPro and Fibark, those festivals are still running or are they on hold? Yeah, I've never, I haven't heard any official word from either of those events. Um, I, again, my intuition is that they'll either be pushed out or postponed until a year in the future. And then, as far as you know, as far as the the guided, outfitted trips, those can those are typically between in groups of ten to thirty, thirty five people at most. Certainly, if there is continuing to be contag- contagious people in the population, to some extent, you wouldn't want to put a group of thirty people together and go spend time on a rafting trip for a week. On the other hand, I think that those kinds of experiences, whether whether it be just going to your local play park for half a day or whether it's going on a river trip for a week, those are the kinds of experiences that people need in a, in a time like this and to come out of this as well, you know. And so I'm really hoping that I do have the opportunity to step back into that role as soon as possible. And I hope you do. And I hope uh, people get the opportunity to paddle with you. What's your thought on the future of paddleboarding, river paddleboarding or the sport of stand-up in general? Yeah, I mean, I th- you know, obviously it was a massively popular sport, still is, and we're starting to see things like level out as far as how much growth, how much rapid growth there is um, as the seasons go by. I think that whitewater stand-up paddling in particular still has a lot of growth to go through. And then also what I'm most excited about is probably river surfing, which a lot of us stand-up paddlers in whitewater took to river surfing using smaller boards, a lot of times without a paddle. And I think because of how much exposure that sport's getting, we're finding new waves in nature all the time. There's a lot of municipalities around, especially around the country, uh, United States and around the world who are starting to invest in their local waterways, remove dams and engineer whitewater parks, including little play waves. And I think there's a lot of opportunity and growth um, in that niche of the sport. I think from my impression, river paddleboarding really uh, kicked off in Colorado. It's still the epicenter, if I could use that term, in the midst of a pandemic. It is the epicenter of river paddleboarding, and primarily because of those parks. Uh, I think there are more than 12 whitewater parks throughout uh, Colorado. The river surfing is a huge part of that. 
what are some uh, pointers you could give to a beginner just thinking about river paddleboarding? I mean, first of all, I think when approaching approaching a river anytime, you obviously need to have all the right the right equipment. Uh, first of all, you know, I, I can't do what I can do if I don't have the right equipment and and I'm, and I'm not feeling safe, you know. So when we put on a pair of astrals, you know, a pair of river shoes and a wetsuit if needed and I like a really bomber PFD and a helmet and have all your, de- your gear dialed in, it m- gives me the confidence to be able to, to get into the kind of situations that I do. Um, and I think it's also important to give yourself time to just understand the nature of a river environment before you before you get into it. So this is something that I do on my um, guided trips in the canyons. It's something that I really pushed hard the last couple of years in Japan when I was doing local clinics there. And we literally sit sit by the riverside and do a meditation for five to 10 minutes just on the flow of the water, just to make a time and space between our like social, like kind of really high energy, kind of in the head kind of lifestyles and make a space and time to separate that from when you're getting into the river. Like the river has a, you know, is vibrating, vibrating at a different frequency. It's like the flow of nature happening right in front of you. So you have to, you have to be comfortable just being there. Um, so that whole meditation is a big part of it. Um, and then as far as the actual, you know, skills of paddleboarding, you know, it's, it's a lot of trial and error, but Luckily, there's been, you know, a handful of us, including you, Paul, who's we've done a lot of trial and error for a lot of other people, (laughs) you know. And so now with now, if you're interested in the sport, you know, you just need to contact, find somebody who's active, who's been doing it, you know, five plus years, who looks like they know what they're doing and and you need to get some pointers and that will really set you up for success. Um, We've we've come a long way in, in a lot of the equipment. You know, there's now you can you can buy really really excellent whitewater paddles that are designed for stand up paddleboarding that are better than what a lot of us started with. There's um, a couple models of whitewater stand up paddleboards that have changed over the years and now kind of landed into kind of like a sweet spot where we're really able to progress. Um, so the gear has come a really long way, and then also just our technique. You know, it's all about just staying loose, having um, having an athletic stance and having a lot of mobility in your body. It's not, it's not about brute strength. It's just about having a solid foundation. So, you know, yoga is a great way to train. Um, if you're, if you're comfortable with yoga and know how to ground, ground through your feet and engage in certain parts of your body, then you're translate well to being able to stand a paddle in the river. Another thing I'd mention that is that if you like swimming, you will love stand-up paddling in the river. Um, Stand-up, you're going to end up doing a lot of that as well. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I'll add is that it's it it seems a little bit intimidating at first, and a lot of people say, "Oh, wow, you have you have such good balance," and it's not quite about the balance; it's more about the paddling skills and, and. reading the currents and having forward momentum. It's kind of like riding a bike. You need to have some forward momentum and kind of lean into it to be successful. And the same thing on a paddleboard in the river. And I'm going to add one more thing to it. It's it's personal character on the board. Style 
is a really indicator of success. As a videographer, as a photographer of the sport, I see a lot of different styles of, of paddling. You might be on the same board, you might have the same paddle, you might have the same gear, and on the same river, in the same rapid, but people will paddle much different. How they stand, how they lean into it, how they use their paddle. And you are one of those people, Yaku, Dan Gavir, it goes on and on and on. The the individual people who are standing out in the, the sport of river paddleboarding all paddle differently because the, the, the quality paddlers are the people who really have a personality that they're they're able to share with uh, with the river itself. Yaku in particular, if my audience doesn't know Yaku, he's probably one of the leading river paddleboarders, at least in Japan. He's all about the flow, connection with the river and making his or assisting the board to move with the river it's it's a really good connection to to watch him paddle among others we've done some traveling together at least uh, in one foreign country the, yeah the, the japanese uh, experience that we had i'll look back fondly primarily because of of your leadership you were you were the the guy in in charge in many ways you were the driver you were the only one that had the international driver's <laughs> license uh and you had the peace and calm to uh lead eight folks in a van across the country plus paddle well, surf well, and you've gone back several times since then because of the, the community that you built there. Um, in regards to, and you know, thanks for, the, thanks for your um, comment on my leadership, and I appreciate that. That's not really something that I'm always um, conscious of, but oftentimes in situations that there's some leadership demanded, especially in small groups, um, especially in situations where there could be a lot of anxiety coming up and from different different sources. I have always felt myself kind of like able to root deeply and provide clear insight in those in those situations. You're the you're you're the person I would recommend. You're one of the, the people that I'd recommend if you really want a, a good introduction to rivers and paddling and an outdoor lifestyle. Bradley Hilton is the one that I <laughs> people to for sure. And I'm doing that publicly here. Okay, Bradley, we're at about 30 minutes. I want to make sure that I get a mandatory question. What are you eating down there? What are you drinking down there? How are those papooses? Uh, yeah, so the local cuisine here is you know, papooses. A lot of the restaurants are shut down and uh, that's kind of like that's more of a treat when we get to have that. But right now, we are drinking a lot of coconuts, holding up one right now to the camera. We ordered 100 coconuts a couple of days ago. And so two to three coconuts a day and then, you know, some rice and beans and tons of local produce. And we're like really trying to focus on nutrition right now. I think that's the time calls for that. And I would highly suggest everybody listening to focus on nutrition you know like this is the time this is the time to like build your immunity and eat as many like whole foods and plants as possible so that's what we're eating <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it, it sounds like you're in a perfect place for that uh throughout the united states it may not be the perfect place there's a lot of food deserts already where uh doritos is a part of the the lunch menu so uh, I wish you the best health and sanity, and it sounds like you're you're taking care of that perfectly well with yourself already. 
and in a, in a, in a fantastic place to, to stay healthy. Bradley, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. You're an inspiration and I wanted my audience to, uh, to discover you if they already haven't. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Paul. Let's do it again and dive into some more specifics on paddleboarding soon. Thank you so much. Goodbye. I look forward to talking to you again later. That's it, folks. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane, and remember, humanity is more important than the person. Mm-hmm.